Welcome to week number three in this series that we started uh, to start out the summer with called Faith Works. Uh, just a reminder, if you've missed any of the previous messages, um, a lot of folks didn't know this was out there, but if you go to the website, lifepointchurch.com, and do slash listen, or just look on lifepointchurch.com, you'll see a listen button. You can click there, and we've got the messages all the way back to 2004. So you can uh, listen to the previous week's message out there, and I'd encourage you to do that. But as we get started this morning, I just want to quickly bring us up to speed. We are in the book of James as it said on the screen there. And uh, James, the brother of Jesus, he was a church leader in Jerusalem. He was writing this letter to uh, a bunch of Jewish uh, believers who were scattered. Uh, they were no longer in Jerusalem. And he was writing because he heard they were experiencing some difficulties. He heard about uh, persecution that was uh, facing them. He heard about the, the ungodly, the, the rich oppressing them. He heard about the conflicts going on amongst them, and he heard that their faith was getting very superficial. And so when word got back to him about this, he wrote this letter in response to that, and, and he was challenging them to go out and make the changes that are necessary in order to live out their faith. That's what this book is about, right? It, just do it. Live out your faith. And so that's what James was doing. He said, hey, I'm hearing this stuff is going on. Here's what you need to do to live out your faith. Week one, we, we talked about, you know, needing God's wisdom in, they, in order to stand in a trial. That our troubles that we're, we're experiencing today can give us strength for tomorrow. And Donnie was here last week talking with us about what God accepts as true religion. It's not just uh, words. It's words in action. And this week, we're going to continue. We're going to do a little bit different format today. Um, but we're going to continue in the book of James. We're going to stay in chapter 1. We're going to see what James has to say about freedom on this independent holiday weekend. So we're going to look at that. And as we do that, just like we do each week, I want to get Bibles into your hands. So if you do not have your Bible with you today... Um, or you don't have one, just a signal to the ushers. They're going to be coming up and down the aisles. They will give you one. It is yours to keep, a gift from the church. But James would say right off the bat, a faith that works is going to bring freedom. That if your faith is true, you're living it out, it's going to bring about freedom in your life. But that word freedom, there's so many different definitions of what that is. And there was a wise mother who actually ran into this in her own family. She had young boys, 10 to 13. And one Saturday morning, uh, her, her, her 12-year-old was sleeping longer, I guess, than usual. So the mom went upstairs, knocked on the door, came on in and said, Hey, are uh, you getting up today? And I said, he said, No. She said, uh, Are you sick? No, today's a free day. Mom said, a, a free day. Can you explain that one to me? Yeah, it's a day in which I only do what I want to do, and I don't do the things I don't want to do. She thought about that. Oh, okay. She closed the door, went downstairs. Boy got up later on, and he's, the way their house was situated is they walked down the stairs. There was a window that you could see into the driveway, and lo and behold, his little brother grabbed his longboard and was using his longboard skating in the front driveway. And he's like, Mom, what? He just wanted to do that today. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. He's a little miffed. He goes downstairs. He goes to the kitchen table. And I guess breakfast was nice. Mom, uh, everything okay? Yeah. Uh, breakfast? Oh, no. Today's a free day, she said. Right? Uh, you see where this is going. That mom was very wise. They let, she let her boys go through the day. And they got a quick lesson on uh, what they were believing uh, about freedom. And, and there's a lie that we can believe, especially in this, uh, when it comes to doing. And the lie is this. Freedom is doing what you want to do and not doing what you don't want to do. For true freedom, our culture will say, is when you can do what you desire, what makes you feel good. Just go ahead and do that. That's what freedom is. But is that really freedom? It is true that we... With our freedom, we can do whatever we want to do. But is giving in to our desires, does that truly make us free? Because you and I really are a big pot of wants and desires. And what you find when you look at this is that we chase so many things. There are a lot of false freedoms that are out there that we chase after. It can be relationships. It can be your career. It can even be stuff like fear and avoidance. We go after these things because we think that they actually bring us freedom. And as we start to go down that path, we realize that it's not freeing at all. It's actually constricting. It's actually controlling And we end up becoming almost, you know, the thing becomes the master. We become the slave. But it's very seductive. False freedoms are very, very seductive. But God's Word tells us that. Read James uh, James 1, 14 through 16. Talks about the deceitfulness and the attraction of these false freedoms. Go all the way back to Genesis uh, Genesis 3. You see that. False freedoms are seductive, but they're also destructive. James knew his audience. He knew that they were hitting restless and rough days like all of us do. And he had a word for them because they were chasing freedom and fulfillment to be able to get through these things. And he had an answer. And it follows verse 22 to 24, which we looked at last week. That, you know, James was saying there in a negative kind of way, he's saying, don't listen and not do. Don't do that. Then he follows it here in verse 25, and he says, here's the answer. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. You see, the truth is is that freedom is knowing and obeying laws. James talks about the perfect law. That's the ethical and moral teachings of Christianity, which had their roots in the Old Testament moral law, but they came to completion in Christ. And James is saying that is perfect. That is the thing that brings freedom. And if you want to experience that, if you want to live out your faith, then the first thing you have to do is be a doer. But not just any doer, 
be a doer of God's word. They say, what? A doer of God's word? What do you mean? James explains in verse 25, he says, looks intently into the perfect law. The original word that was translated to looks intently had to do not with just like a glance where I, I see something like that, but it's like you look at it so that you can absorb it. It's like a penetrating absorption is the way you're looking at it. The way that I, I was trying to think about what, what kind of, what's that like? Have you ever been around, maybe, some, maybe it's a child or somebody, and you think they're not breathing, right? And you look at them, and you're just staring at the chest to make sure that it's going up and down. That's the kind of, of stare that he's talking about. The word, that same word was also used in John chapter 20, verse 5, when the disciple ran to that empty tomb, and he stooped in and he looked. So it's the kind, as if your life depended on it. That's the way James is telling us to run to God's word. And he says to continue in that, to keep doing that. Because true freedom, as we start to do what he says, we will experience true freedom. And all of a sudden, where we were unable to say no before, we are able to say yes, say no to what our body desires, and yes to what God is calling us to. That is freedom. I love the analogy that uh, James uses of a mirror. You know, because mirrors don't lie. I wish they did. I mean, I'd be a little lighter and uh, tell me I have hair, but mirrors don't usually lie. You ever been to the, uh, uh, usually in carnivals or attractions, there is the fun house, right? And you go in there and there's the carnival mirrors that are there. And you go in and either you have the short stubby legs and the long torso or you have the short torso and the long legs as you stare into these mirrors, right? But, but those mirrors don't reflect back reality. And that's not what uh, James is talking about here. He's talking about mirrors that reflect truth. And so many times we walk around with uh, just different views, distorted views, because the mirrors that we've been looking into for truth are not really truths at all. It's just lies. And James is saying the only mirror to look into is the perfect mirror of God's word. Only then will you be able to realize who he actually thinks you are and who you are in his eyes. It's then where you start to experience some of the freedom. It's true that you can do what you want. It's, and now I want to talk about believing. You can believe what you want. And there's, there's this lie that's out there as far as freedom is concerned. There is no right or wrong. All things are relative, and that freedom is the ability for me to choose what's true and right. That is true freedom. But think about that. Think about, you know, I'm using a lot of summertime analogies, but many of you will be going to amusement parks, right? 
during this time, maybe uh, King's Dominion. So you've been on the, I think it's called the Intimidator, the roller coaster of the Intimidator. Or if you go to Carowinds, it's uh, called the Afterburn or the Carolina Cobra. But roller coasters are not just like thrill rides. Roller coasters are like examples of the laws of physics in operation. Right? I mean, as that roller coaster is going up to the top of the hill, it sits there with all of this potential energy. And then as it takes its descent, that's turned into kinetic energy and all the friction and the gravity. The engineers have designed that ride, the number of loops, the height of the loop, the number of turns. They are banking on the truths and the laws of physics. Now, would you get on a ride if the engineer said, this ride's got something so special about it, we have totally scrapped the laws of physics, and we are not believing that? That's all relative. Jump on this ride today. And you'd be like, there is no way. I had some teens. They were like, yeah, I'd get on that thing. <laughs> I was like, come on now. Um, but think about that. Uh, What's well, another example? Bridges. I'm going to make my annual trek to Cape Cod this year. I go over lot, lots of bridges. It's Newton's third law of motion for bridges. I don't even attempt to, to rattle off what all that means, but the action, reaction, and vibrations, and all that stuff, earthquakes. But let's just cut to the basics. Say it's the engineer did not want to believe in level and plumb line. You know, I forget that. That's, I, don't, I don't think that's true. I think this is true. And went in and, uh, and designed a bridge the way he wanted. Would you drive over that bridge? No. So why does it, when we get to the moral truths, the stuff that you and I are, God designs, we are to run on the truths of God. Why do we say that that's relative? We can start to make those things relative. The truth is that there is a right and a wrong. Laws and limitations help put that in place to teach us what's right and wrong and what is good for us. But we like the law when the law protects us, when it prevents you from stealing from me, when it prevents you from hurting me, or from you building a pink house next to my house. Right? We like it then. But there's, like the, the cameras on uh, lights, you know, at intersections. NC State did some research that if we put cameras on those intersections, numbers will come down as far as accidents. Right turn crashes will come down 42%. Rear end crashes would come down 25%. And just crashes overall would come down 17%. But yet... We have people fighting them. You know, no way, we don't want this. 61% in Sykeville, Maryland is against it. In Louisiana, 86% say absolutely not. Anaheim, California, 73%. Why? Because we want to be able to do what we want to do, just not get caught and be wrong. We, we all, you see this, watch a little brother with a sister you know, they just have to look at each other the wrong way. All of a sudden, the other one will hit, hit that, the other, you know, the, the brother or sister. And then they'll have every excuse in the book and every justification for the parent of why they did that. They can't be wrong, but they got all, it's that person's fault. You see it, prisoners will, you know, I didn't do it. There is a reason for it. Here's the reason. 
All of us experience this. We want to do good. But when we realize that, uh-oh, I, I, I can't all the time. And when, I'm, when I realize I get God's law and I feel this, I don't like to face that kind of truth. None of us like to face that. And a lot of times the, the shame, the guilt, the pain, the consequences come because we're going against what God has to say, his truths for us. And that sounds, you know, try as we might, do everything we can. We can't seek freedom in other ways. Now, that's depressing to me. But the great thing is that God's perfect law, the good, he has good news in here. The fact that, yeah, try as you might, you can't, but I've got something for you. You need a Savior, and I provided it. All you have to do is believe and accept that. Then you realize that the punishment for sin, gone. The guilt and the shame as you bring forth, yeah, I did wrong, and you confess that to him, it goes away. Unlike when we try to get it to go away other ways. God says, no, I've got the way, and it's a Savior. That's who you need. Scripture tells us it is for freedom that Christ came. And every week here, we celebrate that together through communion. And I want to do that this morning. Ushers, again, will be coming down the aisles, and they have baskets of these communion elements. And I want you to take one of the elements, hold it, and we'll, we'll have a chance to take it together in just a few moments. But those, that packet just simply has a wafer of bread and juice. But Christ said, come and remember what I've done for you. That, that bread is my body broken for you. It's symbolic. Remember that I did that. You can try to do everything yourself. I've done it. Do you believe me? Are you accepting that? And that juice is, represents the blood of the new covenant. The one that will quench your thirst. You won't continue to be thirsty and try to go find other ways. It's the new covenant. So with freedom, we choose to do what we want, believe what we want. How about what we're to be? I've got a question for you. How many of you would like to be fulfilled, blessed? Show of hands. Give me a little. All right. Should be everybody, right? <laughs> Should be everybody. James would say, listen, a faith that works not only brings freedom, but a faith that works leads to fulfillment. That obeying God just isn't a path of duty. It is also a path of delight. Write down Psalm 19, verse 7. The psalmist says, the, Lord, the law of the Lord is perfect. I love this next part. Refreshing to the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. God's perfect law, his word, is refreshing and reviving to your soul. The world would, and our culture would say this lie, there is no greater freedom for you than to chase after, make primary objective your pursuit of happiness. Go after that at all other costs, whatever you want to be. It is true 
that you can be whatever you want to be. But it bet, better be rooted first and foremost in the fact that you are a child of God. Because the truth is this. Real freedom is understanding and realizing and accepting your role as a child of God and spending time discovering what his purpose for you is. You need to get comfortable and rooted in that because there'll be the world around you will throw things at you. You should be this. Why aren't you that? And like the wind, you will go with that. You'll be up, you'll be down when you're anchored in what God says about who you are, how much he loves you, and you are secure in being a child of God, that is reviving and refreshing to your soul. It will give you health to your body and to your mind. You will be wise because of it. In those places where you weren't able to say no, and James was calling his reader to, to make changes in their life, all of a sudden, as you start to peer into God's word and do it, you will be able to say no to things and start to say yes to what he is calling you to do. We all want to be blessed, right? And in our faith, why wouldn't we treat that like anything else? You know, if you want to be that great golfer, right, you want to make that fabulous, maybe not a hole-in-one, but the approach shot where you you can really nail that, get that in, or get close so you can get that birdie. Or if you want to be that, that cellist, that pianist, or that you want to play that perfect note in the wonderful solo without any problems, you go at that by submitting to your teacher, learning from your teacher, understanding the fundamentals, the truth behind whatever it is, be science, computer science, a sport, a, a music, or an art. You go after that, and then you become disciplined in doing those things. And James says in verse 25, they will be blessed in whatever they do. Who will be blessed is the question. And he says in that verse, those who are looking intently into God's word, who are continually doing that, that they don't forget what they're reading, and they go out and do what it says, they will be blessed. Some of your translations say happy. That's too light of a word. Fulfilled captures what is intended here. You do those things, you will be fulfilled. You see, it's, it's within God and his purposes for us. When we start to chase after those, then truly we become what we're supposed to be. And we start to feel that fulfillment in life. And James was writing to his readers, and he's telling us the same thing. You want to know what real freedom is? This is real freedom, running after God and doing what he has to say. That is the path to happiness, to a blessed life. It's our prayer and leadership here that you do what the psalmist says in Psalm 119. It's a long psalm, but go ahead and read it. 119, verse 32, the psalmist says, I run in the path of your commands. We pray that you run in the path of God and you are reading his word. And then we pray that you experience what he says next. For you have set my heart free, God. We pray that you can declare, I am truly free.